Hello, and thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab up here on Floor 9. I am Scott, but this week, I am not your host. Instead, our very own Christina Andromley from our strategy team hosted the first ever live recording of Floor 9 in partnership with PSFK at their New York Retail Innovation Week. It was a total success, and I really want to say thank you to Bogar and the entire PSFK team for letting us be a part of this Innovation Week. With that, I'd like Christina to take it from here. On to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming, and thank you for your partnership in this. I know it's been uh, a lot in the making, so just appreciate PSFK's support and all of this. And how many of you are familiar with the IPG Media Lab? Yay, that's so many people. That's great. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with us, we're a media futures agency uh, that essentially functions as the innovation arm of the media agencies under the IPG media brands umbrella. So if you're familiar with UM or you're familiar with initiative, uh, we help them think about where attention is shifting in five to 10 years and then think about how technology can support those shifts in consumer behavior. Uh, so we don't only focus on retail. You can see this wall is a retail wall behind you. Uh, we are focused on retail innovation, but we also cross the span of OTT and connected home and digital culture, uh, some of which you'll see kind of after we wrap the panel and after we take all of your amazing questions. So um, obviously the way we shop is undergoing a major, major transformation right now. Uh, we see influence coming from all over these days, as opposed to if you think about um, before the 80s, before the advent of cable television, it was really the three major broadcast networks that were telling us what to think, what to watch, what to buy, uh, and kind of the infrastructure, especially in the United States, was designed to support that kind of mono brand, um, mono content type of distribution mechanism. The inner or cable TV came, uh, and then the internet came. That has all been turned completely on its head. And when you think about the way that consumers discover and actually purchase brands now, it's totally different, much more fragmented, so many more brands. Um, but I think there's you know, a lot of opportunity that we can learn from some of these emergent brands um, and how they you know, get really close to the consumer and are able to gain that cultural relevance and that brand affinity. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn from kind of how social media has evolved to support this kind of new digital brand infrastructure. Um, but before we get into it, I want to introduce our panelists. So if you guys could go around and tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm Will Cady, Head of Brand Strategy at Reddit. I'm Lauren Case. I am Head of Brand Marketing and Communications at Floyd. We are a direct consumer furniture brand designing home essentials that are simple uh, easy to assemble and buy and built to last. Hi, I'm Marnie Shapiro from Snapchat. I run our retail and restaurants businesses there from a sales ad sales perspective. Hi, I'm Tony Kreka with uh, Johnson & Johnson, and I have responsibility for um, U.S. e-commerce activation. Great, thanks. And I think what's important to point out about this panel is I think it's going to be super interesting to hear kind of from a big brand perspective, an emergent brand perspective, and then kind of the range of social media. I'm really excited to uh, dig in with you guys. So first question I want to ask you is, so we think about where consumer attention is heading before we think about technology. And I talked a little bit about this to kick off, but 
Um, what we're starting to see is brand new sources of influence pop up, um, whether that's a media channel, whether that's um, mechanisms of discovery, whether that's different people. Um, where are you guys seeing new pockets of influence and how do you think that's shaping how us as consumers discover and purchase new products? I mean, we see new pockets open up every day on Reddit. I mean, by definition, you know, anytime a trend emerges, there's a community that forms around it on our platform, you know, in this in the form of a subreddit. So, you know, the first time that I saw an incredible signal was even just a couple of years ago when I was working at Reddit. I had a chance to, you know, look at the metrics and there was this phenomenon of Pokemon Go when it was really <laughs> it was just something that people were testing out. I mean, Niantic was just testing it out at the time. They didn't really intend for it to be as massive as it was. And we were looking at Reddit and this Pokemon Go community came out of nowhere and went from zero to 300 million page views within less than a month. And you looked at the content and people were making spreadsheets of where to find the various Pokemon with like geo coordinates and things like that and sharing screen grabs. And all of a sudden it became this place for them to connect. You know, fast forward to today, we're seeing the same kind of community pockets emerge in spaces like streetwear where people are waiting in lines and trying to find a place to talk about that. Uh, It evolves every day. It evolves every week. Uh, You see some things that are just short-term flashes in the pan and you see some things that are long-term real signifiers of where culture is going in the, in the macro. I think also from an influence perspective, I mean, each individual adds to that community, people that are contributing. And I think we're seeing that from a brand perspective on our customers are becoming in influence themselves. So if they share a photo of our bed frame, you know, that collects in one spot on Instagram, let's say, and that is helping others convert. I mean, we see people going to Reddit and you know, asking their communities, has anyone tried out the Floyd bed? What do you think? And hundreds of people are responding and sharing their thoughts. And so you see your customers have a platform to turn into brand advocates aside from just that, like, you know, offline conversation. There's all of these pockets where you can go as part of your research when you're buying something where you can visually see it in all different kinds of people's homes who shared it, where you can talk to different customers about, hey, I have a question about this issue. And it doesn't necessarily, there's more trust built in that versus coming to the brand and maybe asking the brand's customer experience team. I I find the question about influence really interesting because it's changed so much and it changes so dramatically. And I love hearing uh, what you all see from a Reddit perspective, which is fascinating. What we see is the strongest influence are your friends and family. It's your closest network, right? It's not necessarily what an influencer who's paid to do something is telling you to do. And so when you're being influenced by the people that you trust the most, it goes a really long way and you might take action on it. And second to that is the way that we share and interact with content is also really meaningful when it's more um, significant to you on a personal level. So if you are sharing content with one person or a few people versus thousands and thousands of people, you might interact with it a little bit differently or find that source of influence or that content a little bit differently. Um, And I think that in a world of, let's say, Reddit, where you're anonymous, you can be really honest in that way. And you can seek out really honest information or feedback or really general um, relationship in a way, whether it's with a brand or whether it's with your best friend, that you really couldn't do before because you had to take content or an influence that was only meant for mass. 
Um, so being able to bring that down to either a really personal level or knowing that you're not going to get trolled for it is a really important aspect, I think, of where influence comes from. Yeah, I think those are great points. And um, just to build a little bit, I think what we're all talking about here is, is authenticity, which is interesting because for, for our brands, but just for, for CPG brands in general, it's that kind of close bond with the consumer that, that most big national brands were built on in some fashion. Um, so, you know, to your point about friends and family being the most authentic or, or most trusted, that hasn't changed. But it's all of the vehicles and, and the social media platforms for which those networks come together. And it's the speed that that information gets shared. And, and I almost feel like, you know, we struggle with what do you respond to? What do you don't, what, what don't you respond to? What do you kind of let naturally happen? Um, you know, there's this desire, right? Especially when you have established brands that you want to, you want to maintain that integrity. You want to protect that equity. Um, but sometimes the best thing to do is just kind of let that, that feedback flow and happen uh, naturally. But I think um, the speed with which the information is shared is what has changed so dramatically over the last several years. So I want to dig a bit deeper, Will, on something you said and each of you have touched on is, um, so you talked about Pokemon Go and how that kind of started small and then picked up steam and eventually was like this avalanche rolling downhill, right? <laughs> is there a certain point that you guys have seen where something reaches that tipping point of becoming viral on social media? Or is that still kind of a wait and see thing to your point, Tony? Or how do you think about kind of what to pay attention to and what to kind of count out as clutter? And if the answer is it's a, you know, flash in the pan and that's it, then, you know, that's it. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that when, when people have an experience that they love, they don't want to experience it alone. They want to gather around that. And so you can tell how much people love something on the engagement metrics that we're all pretty used to, like how much time they spend. Right. So that's one that we look at. I mean, Reddit, you know, on the whole has, has pretty long in time on site metrics. So we, we know where those benchmarks are and we can compare that on a, you know, basis of, you know, content or community. How much time are people on average spending on this? Uh, we also have the upvote and the downvote. I think the downvote is really interesting because the downvote, when you're building a community, gives users a tool to say this doesn't belong here. And when we try to explain what that means in, in a lot of our meetings with our partners, you know, we shared the example of the cats standing up subreddit, which is a community only for people to share their <laughs> love of the experience of looking at cats standing up. But if you post a photo of a corgi lying down, it might be great content, but that doesn't belong there, right? So we're here to talk about cats, not, not dogs. Downvote, right? Or removal from the community altogether. And so you actually have like a really clear signal on what these different spaces, these different rooms, these different communities in Reddit are really meant to be for. So when you're looking at those data points, you know really what it's about versus having it be a little bit of a cloudy signal. It's, it's fascinating to, to look through. So I want to get a bit more into direct-to-consumer brands because, I mean, how many of you have seen ads for Quip and Hymns and everything on the subway? They're everywhere. They're in every category. They're in every part of your body, essentially, every part of your home. Um, and I, you know, I think it's great because I think they're offering something new and um, I, I think they're doing a really good job of amassing cultural influence for our 
incumbent brand partners, um, there is a lot to pay attention to. And I think it's, you know, a massive challenge. But I wanted to ask Floyd and J&J, you guys, um, what do you think is the secret sauce behind direct-to-consumer brands? So Lauren, from your perspective, kind of how have you approached social and what have been kind of the key things that have popped for you? Uh, And then Tony would love to hear from you there's any inspiration you've taken from direct to consumer brands in your own marketing and e-commerce approach? Well, I think from, from the very beginning, right? Like when you're going to build a brand kind of from nothing, it comes from um, kind of creating this world or kind of like a subreddit, like creating a space where you're building, whether it's visual or values or all of these things kind of, you know, become your thesis. And then you build on top of that. And a lot of that comes from, um, you know, community buy-in. And I think once you have something that maybe somebody buys into visually, I mean, we make furniture. So, you know, our design aesthetic is sort of based in these values of, you know, we began as a reaction to Ikea disposability in furniture. And so we are talking a lot about great quality pieces at, you know, a price point that's not going to break the bank that you'll really take and move with you. And I think the secret for us and how we've approached social is, again, that really authentic connection of like, here's what we're about and here's how we're expressing it. And then there is that ability to interact one-to-one with people on social media. So we're able to have conversations and we're able to involve those people that are psyched about what we're doing. We're about to bring them into the fold and ask them questions. You know, for every product that we make, we survey our customers and our audience. Like, and amazing to see the engagement. Like, it would be pistachio linoleum color against olive. And we get, like, all these DMs being like, pistachio, like, these people are crazy. <laughs> and it, the engagement, it really makes you feel like you're a part of the crowd. And and it was incredible. I mean, we ha- we're online brand and we don't have physical stores, but we have been over the past year doing a couple more pop-ups and that sort of thing. And here in New York, we had our opening party for um, the pop-up we were doing in an apartment in Soho. And we had 500 people come to this party that we like, it's a two bedroom apartment. Like we couldn't have everybody in there. And just to be able to see that community um, that, you know, is, is really actually involved in the product and in that relationship, it's something that they'll can they continue to invest in as we invest in and so it's really that like authentic conversation that truly is a conversation um i think your question was about uh, inspiration and, and motivation i think a lot i think we take a lot of of uh inspiration from direct to consumer brands um uh you make a lot of great points and and all of them are really exciting for us because what we generally have with our brands is um, we have scale, right? In, in most cases. And we have uh, in, in some cases a rich, long history and connection with consumers. Um, but I think what we take away as the biggest inspiration is, especially in 2019 now is um, a, a lot of brands, like I think you said with Floyd are built digitally first when they're direct to consumer, that's generally not um, something that we have. We're, we're pretty envious of that because, um, you know, we were talking a little bit prior to, to the, the conversation starting. There's this, um, there's this traditional way of, of building businesses uh, in brick and mortar retail, right? And it starts with distribution across thousands of stores. And, and that's really sound. We're, we're good at that. 
but um, now you know brands like yours have, have flipped things and in, in in a big way. So that connection that you have with consumers and and even getting their insights on to how to build the brand right in in a joint effort, and then you know how to think broadly because you're not encumbered by thousands of stores of distribution, right? So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. The scale is nice to have. It it makes the business a little bit more predictable. But I think we take great inspiration from the fact that um, think digital first. We've we've tried to do that with um, a couple of uh, spinoff brands lately. And uh, I think also that really in-depth uh, insight that you can gain from consumers as you build new brands. So those are things that we'd like to replicate, but um, quite frankly, it's, it's a challenge. That's not, that's not something that's kind of intuitive for us. We have to work pretty hard at it. Lauren and I were talking also before we started about how um, consumer expectations can shift to a more digital model, but what consumers don't recognize is that manufacturing has been around for quite some time in the same kind of distribution structures that the Johnson and Johnson's of the world have been working with and successfully working with. And um, there's kind of a shift, not just in how you sell, but in also how you produce everything else on the back end that I think heritage, you know, works to your advantage in that case. But um, I, I do think there's something interesting in what you said about consumers do want relationships with brands. That's my thesis. I think, you know, you hear so much about data and privacy and not wanting to give away too much of yourself now as a consumer. But I do think that consumers at the end of the day are open to relationships with brands as long as there's kind of that mutual respect. Um, And Marnie and Will, I would love to hear on your platforms how brands are, you know, young and uh, incumbent, how brands of all sizes are telling their stories on your platforms, if you're seeing that same uh, kind of behavior and want for a relationship, how you're seeing brands kind of interact with consumers on your platform successfully? Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, And I would say that depending on the brand and depending on the brand strategy can change pretty dramatically. But the bottom line is that people want to be in control. And part of that control is knowing as much as you can about the brand or the person that you're interacting with. Um, And the other big piece is that everyone now is smart enough to know when they're being told a lie or they're being told the truth. And it is extremely important, and we're going to keep talking about authenticity, but if a brand is not being real on Snapchat, um, I can speak definitively about uh, they are not going to engage with the consumer. Um, and Snapchat is a, is, is a little different. We aren't an influencer-based uh, platform. It isn't about, if you guys know from a marketing perspective, it's not about influencer marketing on Snapchat. It really is about one-to-one and your friends' relationships. But the brands that do it well have really learned how to be a part of that conversation. The other big thing for us that we see over and over again is that mutual value. So Snapchat, here's a great example. 90% of our audience gives us their location data. And they do that because they get something in return. If you don't have your location data turned on with Snapchat, you can't get a filter. You might not um, see a lens that's running. You might not have a, a local story. You won't be able to access maps. And we've earned that trust. 
And brands know that, right? So a brand knows if I have a filter, if someone's walking into a mall and I want them to walk into a store and I give them that filter, it gives them something to play with. It gives them something to do. And so that brand's earned a respect, a, a respectful interaction with the consumer. Um, from an organic perspective or from a storytelling perspective, it's really similar. Brands that know how to talk in a real way are the ones that are really winning. And it takes a while for some brands to figure that out. Some brands, it's going to be really natural and native for them. Um, but I really do believe that there is that level of trust and there is that level of of reality and authenticity when you're speaking to a mass consumer base. Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting in my experience on this is people have been on Reddit for 13 years. Brands have only really been on Reddit for about three and they bring something new to the platform by their very existence, by their very presence. So today, I mean, we have everything uh, brands are activating all up and down the funnel, you know, mattress companies, consumer brands, electronics, and they're finding places where people actually want to, you know, transact and discuss, you know, uh, what it is to be a consumer. And then they just, you know, put their ad right there, click buy, and then, you know, conversion and and, and done. But my very, very first day at Reddit, uh, three years ago, I had the light bulb moment. We were actually bringing Coca-Cola onto the platform. I mean, talk about a brand, right? And they were able to say something to Reddit's football community uh, and Reddit's Marvel community uh, and a couple others that no person was ever able to say to Reddit before, which is, I have a Super Bowl commercial and it's involving Marvel superheroes. Uh, if you had that, what would you want to see in your Super Bowl commercial? And the conversation that that sparked was incredible. And that was it. It was like, okay, nobody has ever been able to talk about things the way that brands are able to talk about things. And when we work in the auto space, for example, I mean, these car manufacturers, we just at the Detroit Auto Show with, with Toyota. I mean, we brought the, the CMO onto Reddit to talk about bringing the Supra back. And, and I, there's no user on Reddit that could talk about bringing a car back that's been around for decades. And the users genuinely appreciate this. They, they, they have a new level of conversation and interaction that just simply wasn't available to them before. And when we are able to make that connection happen, the sparks are just incredible to watch. Yeah. So both of you have kind of touched on different points in the consumer path to purchase. I think there was some education. And then I know Snapchat has some kind of a range of integrations across the purchase funnel. Uh, Lauren and Tony, curious to hear how you guys think about social in the context of your purchase funnel for your consumers. Uh, and then Will... And Marnie, um, how you think about integrating new tools at various points of the shopping journey? Well, I think the the experience of buying whatever you're going to buy starts long before you're actually like ready to buy that thing in some way. You know, if you're interested in home decor, you like, or you're moving or you're getting ready to move or something like there's a lot of inspiration or mining or discovery that is even there. Like, how do you discover what kind of aesthetic you want? Where does that come from? Some people know exactly what they want. Other people are just like dabbling and find something that they happen upon. And I think, you know, that experience then goes through where they find out about Floyd and maybe they look on um, our website and they see our, our content, but then they're looking at 
how other people are using it. And they're asking questions. They're going to Reddit and asking their Reddit communities, you know, what do you guys think about the assembly of this? And there's so many different touch points. And with the internet, you can research your heart out on whatever you want to research. And I think then that product experience lasts long beyond um, to where once somebody's bought something from us, they're now in our community and they are giving feedback on our shelf that we're coming out with. They're telling us what colors they want. So I think it, it the whole process now is like, you know, infinity in some ways. And so these, these opportunities, um, you know, if, if you got a Snapchat builder and you have that one-to-one moment, that is like a little like plus one for the brand in that entire life cycle experience. So I think um, it's really no longer just like an end-to-end customer journey, but it's this entire you know, relationship that you're having with the customer before they even know who you are. And then long after when it's been 10 years and, um, you know, they still love your product. And so there's, there's, it's endless, um, in that capacity. Yeah, I think, um, those are great points. And from, from our perspective, um, I think you get different answers, whoever you ask. Um, but since you asked me, I think <laughs> what we came to the conclusion on is we want to be part of the, we need to be part of the conversation. And uh, with respect to our other brands, I think it was our, mainly our, our beauty brands that, that recognized that first and really um, treated it as marketing first, because, and, and to my point earlier, um, if you talk to our sales team, we struggle a little bit more with social, right? How do you get to that transaction, right? There, there should be an, an opportunity to purchase. And while I think that's very true, you kind of need to let the consumer get there on their own. And that's why being part of the conversation is so important. So um, I think we're still learning to, to leverage social media. I think we have a few brands that do it pretty nicely and have engaged appropriately in, in, in the conversation and, Again, here we come back to authenticity, but you know, having that right engagement with consumers. So I, I think it's about relevancy, and it's about hopefully mining some insights. And if along the way you you can lead them down that path to purchase, um, I think we're doing a better job of of you know letting consumers make that choice. But um, it's it's really more about the you know the engagement with them and and finding really the right. Um, the right vehicles for you, for your brands or the, or the right platforms. So from a toolkit standpoint, you know, Reddit in the last year has made enormous strides in terms of, you know, meeting, you know, brands where they're at in terms of how they, how they buy and, and develop media plans and, and being something that, you know, it's not just reservation based, it's biddable. You can, you know, go into the auction platform and do interest targeting and, and all of that. Um, but I think that what makes Reddit truly unique in the social space is that it has this long tail. Uh, it's been around for 13 years. And so it just at a basic level, it's SEO is bananas. I mean, every, every, you know, conversation that's on there, you know, if you wanted to as a brand that could live on, right? So if you search road trip pro tips, for example, Reddit thread is going to be one of the top things that comes up in that result. And there are conversations that haven't been had yet that a brand can begin. And, you know, you create a conversation that tells the story of, you know, why your brand is contributing to this particular community where that conversation is hosted. And that becomes something that's very, very powerful when it lives on. 
And so generally our playbook is to create a conversation like that. You create an artifact and then you move it around. You know, we start at the bottom of the funnel with the core advocates that are talking about what it's like to set up, you know, their couch in their home already and what the experience was like. And then there are other ways to target where you can move that conversation thread across Reddit so that you bring in audiences that otherwise weren't really going to be exposed to that conversation in the first place. We actually start with the advocates in the bottom of the funnel and then we go out to the top and it's basically mobilizing word of mouth. What we see um, and what I, I think is really interesting for for everyone um, from a social commerce perspective and the questions coming up so much right now, right? What does social commerce mean for you and how are you surrounding it? And for for us, we started, I started at Snapchat four years ago and we had our very first ad units and we're mobile only. And someone cannot uh, say, oh yeah, we saw this ad and then we went on the website and we weren't tracking them there because we don't have a website, right? And it it was a constant kind of battle with some some brands of, of the fact that we are mobile only and no one at the time knew what to do with that. And now what we see is you've got this incredible opportunity to engage with people who want to talk, want to play, want to explore, and want to learn. And as a brand, again, going back to knowing how you are going to talk and and um, interact with an audience, you figure out what works. And that might be very top of the funnel, um, 24 hours of owning a global lens that everyone in the world who's on Snapchat is going to see in one day. Or it turns into... I know that you're a woman who already engaged with a J&J ad and we're going to deliver a clean and clear lens and this is what's going to happen and you're going to be able to swipe up and shop it. So we've been able to evolve uh, over the last many years to figure out what's going to work for that consumer at a given time. And it is very true that we started out very, very top of funnel, very brand awareness. That was what Snapchat was. But very much like you guys, over the last year and a half, um, we have scaled that in a big way to make sure that if someone wants to find out more, if they want to shop, if they want to share, they can do it immediately. And they do it in a way that is just native to them because it is in their hands and they aren't skipping around going from their phone, putting it down, going online and checking that out. That's not how it works. Everything happens on that app in that session or in another session. And so we create tools that allow a consumer to do everything they want in the app, whether it is shopping, whether it's finding out what song is playing by holding down on the screen and accessing Shazam, um, or if it's finding out what the weather is. We just create whatever will knock out the barriers so that any consumer or any user just has a really easy time and continues to have fun. Something that I'm really excited about this year is visual search, uh, being able to uh, see one of you in the audience. I like your outfit. I can snap it on my phone and I can actually know what you're wearing and buy it, of course, with your permission and asking you in advance. Um, Marnie, can you talk a little bit more about Snapchat's visual search capability? I know you guys did an awesome execution with uh, Nike at NBA All-Star Week. Yep. So that is, I'm going to separate those two. So from a visual search perspective, we are in our infancy there. Snapchat is one of the largest cameras in the world. We actually, people use the Snapchat camera more than any other camera app on the planet. So um, when you're taking 3 trillion pictures through a camera um, in a year, 
there's a lot of a lot of data there um, that we can start to figure out. We've normally used that to really guard from a brand safety perspective, right? There's a lot that goes into our um, AI that or machine learning that can tell when there are there's too much skin or there's guns or there's what have you. And we really work with that from a safety perspective. Um, from a shopping and a, a more accessible perspective is really where augmented reality comes in and what Jordan was able to do very recently, which was unbelievable. And they took advantage of a couple of key things um, as a brand. First and foremost, they worked for a long time with us. They know how to speak to our audience. They they also know that normally when a Jordan shoe drops, you don't need to run advertising to sell it. You, you don't. Um, they are going to line up. There's going to be however many Reddit <laughs> subreddits about it, um, and people are going to know. So what Jordan wanted to do was really take advantage of a surprise moment um, and a highly localized offer. And back to what I was saying before, so many people share their location with us um, that we can really hone in on where people are at any given moment. And so what, what they were able to do was unbelievable. They were able to um, have a trapped audience. Um, and all of a sudden, drapes fell down. There were snap codes there. And if you have never used Snapchat, you everything that you do to add a friend or find new content or uh, scan is a snap code. It's not a QR code. Um, and within a second, everyone was out scanning that snap code. Uh, the shoes came up. They could order them, and uh, they partnered. Nike partnered with Dark Side Dark, Dark Store. Sorry, Dark Side. It's not a Pink Floyd concert. Um, <laughs> and what the audience didn't know was that they bought those shoes. They sold out in 23 minutes, and when they got home that night, their shoes were waiting for them at their doorstep. And it was unbelievable. Not easy. Not hugely scalable. Right? That wouldn't happen in 12,000 doors. Um, but meaningful and super fun for both the brand and for the user. Yeah, I we actually we also use Dark Store. Dark Store is like a last mile delivery partner where you can del- get something delivered same day. So if you order uh, your sofa by four p.m. that day, you can get it between five and nine p.m. that night. And I've actually been thinking a lot about that activation, and I would love to do something. I've been thinking about how do we incorporate something like Snapchat and make it fun mm-hmm. for people. Like designing your home is annoying. Sometimes like you don't know how something's going to look like, could we place the sofa, like let you see it on a lens and then you could order it and it could come that night. You know, there's so many opportunities to engage customers in that way. And if you're kind of set up at the base level, like playing is so much making that experience so much more joyful because otherwise it's frustrating. Like you're driving yourself to Ikea and lugging home stuff to assemble yourself or you could have fun and get it in 10 minutes, basically not 10 minutes, you know. Yeah. And when when you're playing around in the world of AR, right, uh, anything kind of goes and you can create whatever world you want in that moment. Um, What Nike did that was so great was they created the dunk, right? They gave everyone that that Michael Jordan dunk, whether or not you bought the shoes, you had that, you had him, you could play around with it. it. Everything from a creative perspective was perfect. You could walk underneath him exactly how high up he he jumped. It was it was unbelievable. But why can't we? I mean, why shouldn't we do that with furniture? Why shouldn't we do that? What which we have done, or we have done with makeup, or hair color, or skin, or shoes in general. So the technology has to kind of catch up to our big ideas right now to make it um, not just fun, but people want to be able to use it the right way. 
Uh, but I just think that all of these opportunities from a creative perspective give value to a consumer, builds trust. And if you can let them have fun or learn something, then go on to every place that they go to share, right? They go on to Reddit, they talk about it, they send things to their friends, they're talking about it at work, what, at work where whatever works for them, it gives them um, it gives them something that adds value to their lives and allows them to have fun in the end. So let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. We heard it here first. Yeah. I'm really excited for that to Look use that. Everyone will get the snack code. Yes. Um, so we've talked a lot about how brands that are, you know, born digitally, born on social, um, there's, you know, only so much, only so much growth that you can get in digital channels. I think at a certain point, whether that's moving off social media or looking to new e-commerce channels, new e-commerce distribution partners, or outside of that, there is at a certain point um, other avenues of growth that especially digitally native brands need to look to. How do you guys think about growth beyond social? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely on the radar. I think kind of to Tony's point, if you have like the reach or the exposure, I mean, the digital, the digitally built first brands, like, you know, it allows you to kind of come up faster or like at a broader scale more quickly, potentially. But then it's sort of like business as usual. And you kind of need to, and business as, you know, the state of the world is. But, you know, we're thinking about how to get in front of people um, from uh, being able to try before you buy perspective. I mean, furniture is a hard thing to pull the trigger on when you've maybe never seen it or you, you know, you can take our word for the quality, but maybe also you want to go to a coffee shop in your town and like sit on it and try it out and those sorts of things. And and some of the activations that we've done in uh, 2018 really showed us that, you know, that is a huge thing that people are looking for. And how do you take the learnings that you can get from people online and then go implement that somewhere in the real world? And that doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, a retail store, but how do you do that more creatively or find more ways to, you know, have fun in an authentic way and give people um, a new experience? We have um, this is sort of like a digital piece, but this was sort of step one for us. You know, we really um, take pride in the fact that we feel that our furniture can go anywhere with any kind of style and also, you know, it assembles and it disassembles easily so you can take it with you in your life and it can evolve with you. And we um, about oh, a year and a half ago now, we launched something that we call Stay Floyd, which is basically we put um, Floyd products in some of our favorite, most well-designed Airbnbs around the country and just, you know, put it there and took photos of the, these places. These were places we wanted to travel. It's like the Catskills, Joshua Tree, you know, Portland, uh, L.A., you know, all of these fun places that our, we knew our customers were going and visiting and like hanging out in. We wanted people to, there was nowhere that was really curating great Airbnbs too. And that was sort of born out of us as individuals at the company, just like, hey, you know, we love design. We love travel. Probably our customers do too. Let's go put um, Floyd products in places they'd actually go. And, you know, it gets so, as a content piece, it gets so much engagement. And, you know, we really don't have any way to know if like people are going to stay there, but sometimes we get Instagrams tagged uh, that says like, hey, found out about this place from Floyd. And I think it's it's really cool to find out how to to find new ways to get yourselves out in the world and, um, you know, let people experience the product in like a totally different context. 
I have a Floyd bed. I just went to Joshua Tree and I stared at an a- Airbnb. It did not have a oh. Floyd bed. Uh, that but been good job. Really, that would have been <laughs> next time. Yes, next time, next time. Um, so, last question before I open it up to the audience: What is the future of social discovery and commerce? Oh man, the future is the past. Uh, you know, we. Um, you walk into Reddit's headquarters in San Francisco and there's a huge sign right when you open the elevators that says, remember the human. And uh, that's our technology really at its core is, is humanity. And so the thing that we talk about more than anything else in our meetings with partners is community. And Reddit did not invent community. That is not the new you know, machine learning algorithm, right? It is something that has been with us through all of time. And I think we're going through a return to what has always been valuable. And I think the next few years are going to show how we rediscover ourselves. Yeah, I think kind of, I agree with this element of community. I think like social media is getting like more and less social in, in that kind of way. I don't, I guess, you know, you're not sharing, you're sharing some of your most intimate moments with your friends, but you're not like broadcasting them to your whole Facebook roster of people you went to eighth grade with. Um, but you know, it's really this community building that's happening around, um, different, you know, niche interest, niche interests or brands or, um, it, uh, you know, events or whatever. And it's, it's that conversation that that's happening that builds and reinforces that community. And I think that's really special that you're able to find these, um, places digitally that when you go and experience that in real life, it still feels pretty connect it feels the same as it does digitally as it does physically um you gave me chills when you said that that's incredible (laughs) that that's i've never been to your headquarters so that's very cool um you know some people ask us a lot of people ask us often what camera marketing means um that's a big thing that we talk about because we don't consider snapchat a, a social media platform because what we know of social media is very different than what we are Um, And what Snapchat was able to do many years ago was fill a hole in the way that people communicate. And why that matters is because we have allowed um, a whole lot of people to be able to be real in their communication, to be able to be honest in their communication. And ephemerality has allowed all of us to not worry about what people are going to do with my communication, right? When I talk to my friends and family or a group of my friends and family, I'm not worried about someone making fun of me, taking it and posting it and sharing it and how many likes I get and how many I don't get. And that fundamentally changed the way that people were allowed to communicate. Um, And what we've been able to do then is take that idea of being in a uh, in a dressing room, right? And I'm trying on a skirt and I don't want to post it. I don't want to take a picture of it, but I don't know if I look good in it. And I want to know what my sister thinks. Why can't I just very quickly take a picture, send it to her, know that it's going to disappear. And I don't have to worry about that showing up when one of my three children are scrolling through my photos or someone at work is taking my phone as a demo. Like none of that exists. Nor do I have to post it and say, what do you guys think? And expect the whole world to make me feel better about myself. That's not what it's about. So I agree with you that it is just about a human connection, being able to 
be yourself, express yourself, have fun with the people around you and be able to get the information you need without that fear of retribution, um, which is what social media has really landed on us. And um, I do think the future will come back to that human relationship. I absolutely agree with you. Um, And I hope that all social platforms will allow people to communicate the way that they want to. Wow. So you guys are all incredibly uh, eloquent. Um, I'm I'm not sure I have a a lot to add, but I do know that I agree um, with, with each of you. And I do think that that human element is central. I, I think that there is so much information out there and I'm glad this is the last question um, obviously, the last couple of years have been a challenge to that authenticity and what's what's real versus fabricated, right? So I do think that leads us back to that human element. And um, you said something earlier, we're all smart enough to know, right? I do think that's what social commerce, you know, it, it puts information at your fingertips. It's across economic strategies, education, the information's there. So as it moves to be um, more and more vetted and, again, authentic, I think that it makes that information so readily available. And then to your point about commerce, if, if we want to bring it back to that, it's going to allow everybody to make informed, educated decisions in in how they purchase. And I think from from our perspective, or, or you know, I think yours is well. You know, if if you cultivate a brand, um, that authenticity and that connection, it's it's right there, front and center, right? I think there's a lot of learning for all of us over these these last couple of years. So I think it's exciting, but uh, I love the way you put it because I think it brings us back to. It's easy to get dazzled by the technology, right? But it's the connection that decked out that that technology brings that is really what I think, uh, you know, people are looking for. Yeah. Those are all fantastic answers. And I think the future is bright, uh, in terms of technology. I think we hear so much about how social especially divides all of us. And we do go back to our biological needs for community and for shared experience. And especially in this era of personalization, right? We all want to talk to other people about what we love. And I think you guys nailed it. Um, and I'm very excited for the future. Um, okay. We'll wrap the panel. Uh, thank you guys so much for being with us. That was incredible. Thank you for coming and sharing your time and your insights. Thank you guys all for coming. <laughs>